As our society approaches 8, maybe even 9 billion people, our future depends on making wise choices about key societal challenges, energy, health, food, even robotics, the environment, space, and everything else that makes up a world society as we know it. These choices involve science. For those of you who listen for a while they, and kind of understand me, do realize science is the one culture that's truly global. Whether it's protons, proteins, the Pythagorean theorem, or whatever you're talking about, it's the same whether you're in China, the United States, or Peru. It's still true science. And it should technically even straddle all faiths across the world, too. Unfortunately, the one group of humans that don't seem to be able to ever catch on, even on a worldwide basis, has one word that defines them very well. They're called politicians. But to even get them to grasp the whole idea shouldn't be so difficult. Most of us appreciate music even if we can't compose it or even perform it. Likewise, the key ideas of science can be assessed and enjoyed by multitudes if conveyed using non-technical and very simple words and images. The technicalities may be daunting, but they can be left to the specialist. We just need to get the basic concept to the general public. Because of advances in technology, we have been led to a world in which most people enjoy a safer, longer, and more satisfying life than all previous generations. And these positive trends certainly could continue. On the other hand, environmental degradation, unchecked climate change, and unintended downsides of advanced technology are collaterals of these very advances. A world with a higher population, more demanding of energy and resources, and more empowered by technology could actually trigger serious, even catastrophic, setbacks to our general society. Unfortunately, the public in general is still in denial about two kinds of threats that we have to consider. One is harm that we're causing collectively to our biosphere, and the other threats that stem from the greater vulnerability of our interconnected world to error, or in some cases even terror, induced by individuals or even small groups. So on the global stage, more should be done to assess and then minimize the probability of global hazards. Take, for instance, planning how to meet the world's energy needs while avoiding dangerous climate change and ensuring food source security for maybe as many as 9 billion people without jeopardizing a sustainable environment. Unfortunately, that would involve multi-decade timescales that are just plainly far outside the comfort zone of most politicians. That being said, even if regulations can't be anywhere near 100% effective and provide just a little of a nudge, it's still important for the scientific community to do all it can to promote responsible innovation. Unfortunately, nations may actually need to give up more sovereignty to new global organizations along the lines of the International Atomic Energy Agency. One that we just joined back up, incidentally, with is the World Health Organization and, and others. There already exist international bodies that regulate air travel, radio frequency allocations, and similar entities. 
And there are protocols such as the post-Paris climate change agreement that we're now members of once again. So even though these organizations have become global by necessity, they should always involve the public and make them aware. The worldwide gaps in wealth and welfare levels between countries at this point in time at least show little sign of narrowing. But if they persist, the risk of persistent disruption will grow. This is because the disadvantaged are aware of the injustice of their predicament. Travel is easier and therefore more aggressive measures will be needed in order to control migratory pressures if they build up. However, apart from direct transfers of funds in the traditional way, the internet and its successors should make it easier for services to be provided anywhere in the world and for educational and health benefits to spread more widely. It's in the interest of the wealthy world to invest massively in improving the quality of life and job opportunities in poorer countries to poorer people minimizing grievances and, to some respect, leveling up our world. Just a few of, I want to call them science thoughts, I try to do uh, a few minutes each week. Part of this came from an excerpt on a book that I was reading called On the Future. It's called Prospects for Humanity by a guy named Martin Rees. And some readings I was doing from Natural History Magazine and a really nice website if you'd like to go and follow along on a number of these subjects called Tree Hugger. And thanks for listening to Organic Matters. <laughs>